This is Pamela Kuhn, and the curtain is up on Center Stage, the show about the arts and the artists behind their work. Professional violinists all strive to find the instrument that is suited to them, to find the instrument that will allow their music making to speak clearly. But not all musicians can afford the violin of their dreams. Many own an instrument that is within their financial reach or play a violin that has been gifted to them by a kindly angel patron of the arts. But there are those who are fortunate enough to be loaned a Stradivarius. And since there are just over 600 of those instruments still accounted for in the world, this is an incredibly rare opportunity, and it is usually reserved for only the world's finest musicians. And one of my guests today is one of those fortunate few. Eiko Kano is a concert violinist with a stunning pedigree. She is assistant concertmaster with the Albany Symphony Orchestra, has regularly played with the New York Philharmonic, and has performed on tour with the Israel Philharmonic under conductor Zubin Mehta and Lauren Matzel. With various honors awarded to her, perhaps the most extraordinary is the 1725 Stradivarius entitled The Wilhelmi, which was loaned to her by the Nippon Music Foundation. And before that, she was loaned the Rainville Stradivarius by the Foval Foundation. Two strads within her short performing career is what I would call a landfall. Her talents also extend onto Japanese television as both a violinist and principal actress in a drama series based on the true story of the Japanese legendary violinist Hisako Suzy. She received a bachelor's and master's degree from Manhattan School of Music in New York City, and her teachers include former concertmaster of the New York Philharmonic, Glenn Dictoreau. Her collaborative partner at the piano is Karen Hakobian, the Armenian-American also known as a conductor and composer. He performed his Carnegie Hall debut at age 17 and has performed in major concert halls throughout the world. His performances have been broadcast on New York City's WQXR and Chicago's classical station WMFT. Besides his piano career, he is the founder and artistic director of Pegasus, the orchestra, based in New York. On Saturday, May 18th at 7.30 p.m. at the Greenwich Arts Center, these two young performers will be performing in duo as part of Soirees by Moonlight, the recital series that is set in an intimate environment with an opportunity to meet and speak with the artists. They will be offering the repertoire of Stravinsky, Brahms, and Gershwin. And something tells me that we will be hearing a duo that is fresh, young, and full of new ideas, and they have most certainly called themselves the New Yorkers. Eko and Karen, welcome to Center Stage. We love having you with us. Thank you so much, Pam. Good morning, Pam. Good morning. Now, what's your connection with each other? With each other? I sent, sense maybe you met at Manhattan School of Music, something like that. Uh, we, we know we wish we did, but we actually attended Manhattan School of Music at uh, different times, really? and our paths crossed actually two years ago. And um, you were looking for a principal player for the Pegasus, right? Yes, and uh, and I'd or, or, already had strong ties with Japan. I'd been there on a tour, and um, I was actually, um, you know, looking for. Uh, you know, strengthening that connection with with Japan, and so you know, someone highly recommended, and I was so fortunate to have received that recommendation. 
Echo at the time, and uh, I reached out to her. And immediately, you know, as we started talking about Pegasus, and it was its very beginning stages, you know, I was just starting uh, to, to create the group. Um, Echo brought a stunning idea of her own to record a CD together uh, called Manhattan Story. So I, um, I didn't, we never worked together before yeah. then, but I reached out to Karen and asked him if he wanted to um, record a CD with me. So he uh, came to my concert for the first time. And uh, so there on, you know, we started to work together and it's been great two years. Wonderful. So we are very happy. That's incredible. Karen, tell us more about Pegasus, the orchestra. I love that title. It's really interesting. <laughs> of course. Well, you know, the, one of the m- main core missions of our group is that we, uh, you know, feature our own principles uh, ah. primarily, you know. Uh-huh. And so it's really creating a platform where they can shine, you know, and show their individuality, bring their ideas to fruition. We have uh, a residency at Mana Contemporary, which is based in Jersey City. And it's a very unique residency because we have uh, the orchestra series, of course, but also chamber, solo, uh, piano, jazz. And through this series, you know, we've created a great platform where we can feature our own principles um, in various different settings. Um, And for, for instance, we did a program in February called Eight Seasons where we did Vivaldi's and Piazzolla's Four Seasons back-to-back, featuring our own concertmaster, Eiko Kano, as soloist, which is, like I said, very much part of our mission, you know, is to, to, to give the, the spotlight to our own incredible members. So I've just been very fortunate to uh, have found a great concertmaster and colleague like Eiko, and uh, we have so many really wonderful members in the group. I can imagine. So this is a little reminiscent from the sound of it of Orpheus Chamber Orchestra, except you are the conductor of Pegasus the Orchestra. Yes, definitely. And also, you know, I think that, uh, you know, of course, Orpheus is an an incredible uh, orchestra and it's an inspiration to to so many musicians and ensembles around the world. Uh, You know, for Pegasus, we are uh, you know, one interesting also thing about Pegasus is that we are expendable. So we take lots of arrangements. For example, I did a program where I re-orchestrated Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue for 18 players only, mm-hmm. and um, we had we had a license to you know go around and perform this program. So this gives us the opportunity to take larger orchestral masterpieces to more intimate spaces, and uh, also give it a little new sound and feel and uh, you know light. That's fantastic. Yeah, and so we can be anywhere from, you know, really 10 to 35 or 40, depending on the program. And so we, so that gives us the flexibility to do very creative programming. Yeah, and then also the Mana Contemporary, the venue we, we are residents for, mm-hmm. is very, um, gives very intimate, close, close-up um, look and um, the sound of the orchestra. So all the audience never came to the classical music concert always go home with such you know impression and joy and um in excitement to see the orchestra sound coming so close mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that is you know what we we treasure and uh, we would like to expand that 
So it seems to me, Eko, that you uh, have kind of a focus on communication. Now, let's get into your Manhattan Story CD, because this is an interesting project that is Mm -hmm. actually um, an unusual kind of um, storytelling and music put together. Can can you bring us into this? uh, What what inspired you for this? Yes, I always loved writing um, stories mm-hmm. and um, also, you know, um, love all those you know, great show pieces of violin. And um, one day I I thought, um, you know, there, there are a lot of people who never come to classical music thinking that, you know, it's kind of intimidating. Mm-hmm. And they don't know where to clap or, you know, what to do, what to wear, and so on. So I, I wanted to create this, you know, there is no um, judgmental thing. Like, you know, you just come and enjoy mm-hmm. and feel what you feel is great, you know. And then uh, we, um, I planned it. I, I made this show so that um, once it starts... Uh, there's no applauding. So the, the once we, we start playing, it's completely like a movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The storyline and then pieces goes until it ends. So, and, what, um, it, so what is the premise of the storyline, Eiko? Uh, it's uh, coming from me. And I think it, it is very um, unique that it is coming from me as a violinist. And then the way I feel for each piece I, I perform on CD connects the storyline. So it's very um, unique individual view and emotional connection with each piece, but it's very intimate and closely knitted with the storyline. So it's a very personal project, but um, everybody loved it. So I'm very and happy. So is this your journey then as a violinist, let's say, you know, coming to New York? Um, is it a love story uh, woven within? I guess it had something to do with my own journey as a person. And, um, you know, I mean, the musician's life, I mean, being a violinist, it's so hard to um, separate your personal life or personal feelings, mm-hmm. the way you feel about the music. And it also changes. You know, one piece you you feel two years ago, you feel differently than you do now. It all depends on the journey you make as a person. Mm-hmm. And I, I find it interesting. And I always pick the piece pieces that feels feel closest to me. I see. So that, uh, I can be, you know, as organic and, uh, you know, um, personal as possible. That was my next question. I was imagining that the, the pieces of music that you would choose would complement mm-hmm. the storyline at that point. Yes. Yes. Very and to me, it makes so much sense, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, why this piece comes after this storyline and so on. So emotionally, there is a complete link mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. me. Beautiful. And we can buy this on CD recording at like CD Baby and Amazon? Yes. Yes, definitely. And this is called A Manhattan Story. Yes. Marvelous. So, Karen, tell me, were you born in Armenia? Yes, actually, I was born and raised. And when did you first come to the piano? 
Well, I, I, I came to it very young age. I would say, you know, about four or five years old. Mm-hmm. And um, I think a neighbor of ours, uh, they were going to throw away their piano. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and th- those were the sort of difficult years, you know, as Armenia was transitioning uh, outside of Soviet Union. And oh. uh, it was, it was you know, the interesting years that um, we, we had no electricity. And so it was very interesting growing up at that time. And my parents, you know, they just couldn't bear the thought of instrument being thrown away. So they took it from the neighbors. And uh, apparently from that day on, they couldn't keep me off it. So I just played on it nonstop. And so at that point, they figured something was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> or something's and, really right, Karen. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, and they took me to, uh, you know, music, special music school. And I, yeah, I was just very fortunate to have the right teacher, especially in composition, and start composing pretty much right away. Before even I, I really? played the instrument properly, I was already uh, composing. Really? Did you just have melodies that came to your mind? I did. I did. And I, I remember I went for my entrance exam to the music school, and I had already composed a, a cute little uh, <laughs> piece for piano that I sat down and played for them. Really? And you were able yes. to transcribe it? Really? Yes, I, I was. I and, and I actually I was always more into uh, composition, into orchestra, not so much into piano at a oh. young age. And then uh, there came a point where, um, and I was taught orchestration at a very young age. Uh, I, I wrote my started writing my first symphony when I was, uh, I think, about ten years old. Are you um, are you just trying to rival Mozart, Karen? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I think it's just that's something that. I, I had to do, you know, it was just part of my nature, you know, and um, but then at, at that point, I started writing more piano works also, and I realized that I cannot play them, that they are too difficult. <laughs> <laughs> and as my frustration grew, I realized that you can't be, a, you know, a, a worthy composer without being a, a good performer. So right. I... Uh, then my attention turned to the piano, and I started doing competitions and, you know, practicing quite a bit and to be able to perform my own works <laughs> first and foremost. So This is fantastic. So um, how long was it before you left Armenia? Um, I left when I was about 16. I, I came to the States when I was 15 uh, and uh, was a laureate of the Gina Bakar competition. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I didn't speak much English then, uh, actually, and was recruited by University of Utah, which gave me presidential scholarship and you know for someone that young it felt like um that it was a very peaceful and nice place to move to and a good institution (laughs) so i moved by myself at the age of 16 to the states wow that was very brave And, and started my bachelor's then so did you find a teacher who you really felt was your mentor at that point here um well i've worked with several teachers you know that uh they've all been really wonderful to me um you know, in Utah, I worked with Susan Dulmeyer, um, and in, when I moved to New York, I worked with Arkady Aronov, who oh, right. teaching style, I think, uh, resonated strongly with what I had been taught growing up, mm-hmm. also in Armenia. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, but I, you know, I've I've been fortunate to work with so many other great artists. You know, you know, you have in like it's in the form of master classes, and you know, Yefim Brofman and so many others, Leon Fleischer and in some of these great giants. So 
Fantastic. And each encounter, of course, helps to shape you as a musician. I have to say, Leon Fleischer's recordings of the of the Brahms Piano Concerti are still my favorites, Karen. Um, really? I, I just have to say to my listeners, I'm I'm speaking with Eiko Kano, the wonderful violinist, she, of electrifying intensity and lyrical expression from her media, and Karen mm-hmm. Hakobian, the Armenian American award winning pianist, composer, and founder and conductor of Pegasus the Orchestra. So. Eko, I just have to ask this because I'm so curious, mm-hmm. and I know all our listeners are so curious about what mm-hmm. it is really like to play a Stradivarius instrument. Now, you have been fortunate enough in your short, very short, because you're both quite young, in your short performing career to have played two Stradivarius. My first question, my first question is really, how did they compare? I know the the Rainville is quite well known. Um, yes. And then, of course, you have the Wilhelmi. So can, can you mm-hmm. speak to our audience about the instruments? Yes. I mean, both strats were, um, are very, very special instrument. The Rainville, mm-hmm. I think it was like very female-like uh, instrument. Ah. And uh, on, the, on the contrary, the Wilhelmi, the moment I opened the case, you know, to receive the instrument at, you know, Nippon Music Foundation. I knew he was a boy or a man. Mm-hmm. And really? he had such, such like, energy. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, my God, you have to see the instrument. It's such a beautiful, beautiful instrument, well kept. And so, I mean, I can feel all the people who played on it took really good care of it. And, um yeah, so I'm so fortunate to, you know, be able to play on this great instrument. And it just gives you wings to fly. So many colors, you know, with so, you know, little effort. Mm-hmm. You never have to force. And, you know, it just gives you uh, more inspiration musically. And, uh, you know, you do things that you never thought it was possible. So it's a it's a great great thing, and then also the affinity I feel with Wilhelmi is very strong. And um, sometimes even you play on the best ever instrument, if it doesn't go with your chemistry or you know physical um, match or whatever the reason, you know it may not click. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Wilhelmi, I feel so close. So I'll be so sad when I have to, you know, <laughs> say goodbye. But you know, for now, I'm immensely enjoying it. You know, that's an amazing proclamation that you make. You can feel the energy of everyone who has played this instrument. That's that's mm-hmm. extraordinary. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, you know, I have spoken and I've actually interviewed Carlos Tome from Terizio String Auction House. And he's spoken about the responsibility that massive businesses take, you know, Mm -hmm. when they have the funds to purchase priceless Mm -hmm. violins like your violin Mm -hmm. and preserve Mm -hmm. them. And and he said that there is a point that with some instruments, they want to just preserve them, to put them in a glass case so they will Mm -hmm. not be played. And they're actually preserving them for posterity. What are your feelings Mm -hmm. about that? I think that's one way of protecting, you know, um, human treasure mm-hmm. because, you know, there is no other Stradivarius who can make the same thing, same exact thing, you know, never. Right. There's only one violin. So that's one way of preserving. But then I 
As a player, I strongly believe without vibration of the sound, you know, going into the wood mm-hmm. and um, the spirit and everything, instrument is not fully alive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so the the way the Nippon Music Foundation is doing is great, and I have you know huge respect for them. It's a lot of work; they have to worry, you know, the, uh, instruments going to come back in one piece or, you know, somebody scratches, you know, mm-hmm. accident by lending out. But uh, I I share their view that they also believe that the instrument of this quality um, has to be shared by creating sound. Yes, and, yes. And um, so, yeah, I think different views. But both are, you know, trying to preserve and then, you know, trying to treasure the best way. Well, it sounds to me from what you're saying that the Wilhelmi is not fragile and that you are really playing <laughs> into it and you're going to delight audiences for years to come. Yes. How, how long? Told, Sorry, go on. Yeah, I even talked to him. I say good night. I say good morning. <laughs> how are you? I, I love that. Too. The preparation. Yeah. You, you, you yes. go with nobility to your instrument. I love yes. that. So how long do you have this Stradivarius for? I think I have it over a year. And so I will, you know, immensely enjoy it while I have it. Oh, my gosh, yes. It must be heartbreaking when you have to give an instrument like this back. I know, I oh. know. But then, you know, it will stay with me, the, you know, the inspiration or the way oh. I handle the instrument. That's so fabulous. And I think we had the delight of hearing this on the introduction to my show with the Brahms Scherzo. Um, mm-hmm. That was the, the Wilhelmi and with with, yeah. with Karen Hakobian playing for you. Now, yeah. now Karen, yeah. I have to ask, you have an affinity for jazz. Um, uh, I guess so. I mean, I, in, as, as a composer, you know, I... I you know, I have a very broad view on music, you know, and I actually that's another thing that as I was mentioning with this with Pegasus, what we are trying to do, you know, and that's actually I didn't mention why it's called Pegasus, the orchestra, because, you know, we we wanted to Pegasus to become sort of a, a bridge where uh, all the different bound, all the boundaries yeah. of the different genres are broken down. You know, we don't want people necessarily to think of, you know, classical music or jazz or all these other genres, because mm-hmm. Great. Of course, we need to have awareness of what's what, but ultimately, great music is great music. And that's what we are trying to communicate, you know. Beautiful. I love that. I absolutely love that. I'd like to hear some of your communication right now in a piece you play, which I adore. Um, Earl Wilde's fascinating rhythm. Can, can we give this a go? Absolutely. All right. This is Karen Hakobian.
Karen, that's a lot of notes. <laughs> and it's really clean, too. Impressive. I love it. There's a beautiful lightness of touch in that. I, I love your technique. It's lovely. Oh, thank you. And I love that you give an equal nod to jazz, as and as you say, all genres of music. And with your Pegasus the Orchestra, I'm really glad you're representing that. Um, I want to talk to you both about your upcoming concert here in Greenwich at the Greenwich Arts Center. That's May 18 at 7.30 at the Soirees by Moonlight series. You know, this series is interesting because we encourage you to talk to the audience and then directly after the performance, I will be interviewing you on stage. Um, and it's it's a marvelous opportunity to break down that kind of barrier, you know, between audience and performer. Are you two looking forward to this? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we certainly are. Tell us about the repertoire you're going to offer that night. So we like to start the evening with a Stravinsky Italian Suite, which Just is a delightful meal. Something class. light, yeah. <laughs> yes. And then followed by Brahms Number no. 2 Sonata, which is just absolute beauty. Mm. And um, then uh, second half, we start with Gershwin, Poggi, and Bess, and conclude the evening with Prokofiev Number no. 2 Sonata. Oh and now what's interesting about this program is that, you know, it's sort of centered about around neoclassicism. And um, so with Stravinsky and Prokofiev being sort of the centerpiece pieces of the, of the program. Very interesting. I'm always interested, Karen, in the arc of programs and program styling. So that, that's pertinent. That's really interesting. This sounds like it's going mm-hmm. to be a rich night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always, I mean, we always discuss, you know, what to play on the program mm-hmm. it's like a storyline you know like a, the the like story starts with this and then something happens and then concludes and uh, so we think it that way as well and then also we make sure that we pick pieces which we feel very um, um personal and passionate about, yeah, passionate yeah. about. That's and really also, wonderful. you know, we think about, you know, does, what, what purpose does this program have? And, you know, what, what are we trying to communicate by bringing these composers or these pieces together? And so that's, that's always in the back of our mind as we are programming. We don't just like to put, you know, a bunch of random great pieces together and say, you know, that should be enough. I think there has to be a little bit. We think there has to be more. Of course. And we are looking forward to this. Eiko Kano and Karen Hakobian, thank you so much for sharing all your thoughts about your wonderful music making on Center Stage with us. Please, everyone, go to eventbrite.com for tickets for Soirees by Moonlight, May 18th. This is Pamela Kuhn, and the curtain is now down on Center Stage. <laughs>